here and ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice for your writing career To be clear, no punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right, yes she may be half as hype But she could take him in a fight So settle in folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! Ditch Diggers! Coming to you live from the opening day party of the Ditch Diggers headquarters slash manor. It is the Ditch Diggers with Mer Lafferty and Matt Wallace. Yay, Matt, if we had planned this better, I would have those little, one of those little uh, Happy New Year blowing things that pop out and make the <laughs> noise, what? but I can't. Blowing things? <laughs> what? I feel like that's a different party, Mer. I feel oh. like the Happy New blowing things is, an, is a different party, but I understand what you're saying. Um, well, you could add it later, like in editing with like fancy effects, right? Oh, I can. I can look for party effects. I'll yes. write that down. Party, party effects. Better way to say that than fancy blowing things. Fancy blowing things. If anybody knows what those are called, let me know. And then I won't embarrass myself in front of Matt, or at least about that. At least about that. No, you're fine. It was funny. You created a humorous moment at the beginning of our first episode of the year. Yes. You should be that. I, we're trying. I am. I'm proud. I but am. yeah, we're, it's uh, the grand opening of the fictional uh, manner that we've been building for the last year or so, or whenever we started doing that bit. And what's great about building an imaginary thing is you can just decide when it's finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We decided um, that everything's finished. The new headquarters is completely finished. The thing is, we still respect the uh, pandemic restrictions, and so our grand opening party is basically... Me and Matt. Yeah, it just does. There's nobody here because it's yeah. still COVID. So. Yeah. So really, this is just all appropriate and very topical, which is, you know, that's what we try to be. We try to be appropriate and topical. <laughs> we try to be topical anyway. Yeah. You know what, so, Matt? If we lived what? in the same, if we lived in the same city, you and Nikki would be in our bubble. I mean, you know, you guys are your permanent invitees to our bubble. You're on that very exclusive list. You know that. You're on the you're on the pillow fort list. Yay, pillow fort. You can come from there next time. Who has the password to your pillow fort? That's really the only question you need to ask yourself in life. That's all that's all it's about. That's beautiful, man. And you know, if the answer is just you, that's fine too. Like mm -hmm. if you're you know, happy you're comfortable with that, no problem. But you still need to ask yourself that question. Who has the password? To my pillow for it. That's right. So yeah, beginning of the year right off. We're getting into some deep philosophical truths. You're welcome, internet. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, it is, as I've said like three times already, it's a new year. This is the first episode we're recording in 2021. And we haven't uh, we haven't recorded in a while. So this is a catch-up. But uh, I do feel the need to just point out that I don't know about Matt, but I'm a little distracted because this is the day after the attack on the Capitol, and I'm still a little out of it. We're not going to talk about that, but I do want to acknowledge that current events can fuck with your ditch digging, and be kind to yeah. yourself if that happens. Absolutely. I got, I got like, nothing done yesterday, and I, I totally fell into the trap of just being glued to the news and just obsessively retweeting, like, everything and commenting on everything and... Can I tell you something that'll make you laugh? Well, yeah, tell me. It'll actually make you laugh. Um, yesterday, I, I had a deadline, and I was working really hard, and then I had to take the dog to the vet, so I put on pants, took the dog to the vet, and then while the dog was in the vet, it's COVID, so I'm in the car, I sat in the car and I wrote, because I'm a grown-up, and then the dog came back, and I turned on a live stream of somebody I like listening to on Twitch, and listened to that on the way home, and then I came home, and I came upstairs, and Jim turns around in his chair, and I start telling him all about the dog, and what the vet said, and the chipped tooth, and when we're gonna have surgery, and he's just being Jim, watching <laughs> me, politely letting me tell the whole story, and then when I'm done, he's just like, you have no idea what's going on, do you? <laughs> that is adorable. 
And I said, uh, no. He's like, you have no idea what's going on. I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah, my favorite parts from yesterday were people who were like, I just took a nap or, you know. Yeah. Or people, you know, on the other side of the world in different time zones who are like, we just woke up. What the fuck, you know? And then trying to summarize what was happening for people. Mm -hmm. Just, you sound like you're disturbed, like saying these things out loud and they're actually reality, you know? Well, I'm used to that for the past several years, but anyway, that was my that was my funny part of yesterday, which is just I was blissfully unaware of anything, and my husband, just, it, you know, I, I told him like you didn't have to let me talk about the dog for so long. He's like, it seemed important. <laughs> I didn't want to bring you down right away. <laughs> Saved and porn. God bless that man. Uh, he's very funny, and he knows me well. He is. You're all very funny. My favorite. Thing, I like texted your daughter just to kind of check on her. I was just telling her, you know, Nikki and me. We hope you're kicking all the ass at school or whatever. And she, her reply was, "I am kicking all the ass at school. You're right." <laughs> and we both laughed at that because it was just in a very dry kind of her way which i think she gets a lot from you and from jim so you're all very funny people is the bullet point of my story yeah there was i have no funny anecdotes from yesterday it was basically all horrible and frustrating oh yeah uh, after that it was horrible and frustrating but it was very surreal to just have him watch me and just go you have no idea what's going on that is really good i also has nothing to do with the main point of that story but i just love that in a time of covid it basically turns you, I mean, not that you're not already, but it like turns you into your dog chauffeur. Mm-hmm. Like you're waiting with the car yeah. while you're in getting. <laughs> That's that right. Human, That's right. You know, costly surgery. You're waiting with the car to, to drive them home. Mm-hmm. I mean, as it should be really, let's just say dogs are better than us. And I'll, I, I will die on that hill. They're just better than we are and they deserve everything. Yes. They deserve pats. I wish mine was in here right now. But she's napping downstairs, and so is the other one. Oh. <clears throat> That's a but dog's problem. It's true. That's true. So do but you yeah. want to just catch up? We uh, Yeah, as you said, it's been a minute. Yeah. Uh, last couple of, I mean, you know, it was a weird year, but the last couple of months were weird within that. I just, I felt very overwhelmed with a lot of stuff, and I just did not have room to be funny on a podcast. That's yeah. really all of Honestly, I had, <clears throat> I had mine, um, it was, it's so dumb and I don't know why I do these things to myself. And I did it to myself too. Cause it was, this was, I, I elected to do this, but I had, I was scheduled to turn in a book, like literally a week before the break started, like the week before Christmas, which mm-hmm. you just should never, no. or the holiday you celebrate. Like you just shouldn't, you shouldn't have deadlines in late December period. Just no, you just shouldn't. But, but, but also you, you need to remember that. Even if you disagree with Matt, you should still agree with him because whoever you're turning it into will not look at it until, like, the first week of January at the earliest. Yeah, and that's, you know, 99.9% of the time that is absolutely true. My circumstance was a little unique in that the reason I was doing it is because we were trying to keep the release of the book on schedule for a time. And in order to do that, we have to have it in copy edits by a certain time, so... I really had the choice, and my publisher told me, it's like, we don't want to rush you. If you need to take more time, that's fine. We can just push the book to back to this date. And I didn't uh. want to do that because I have, and we'll get to that We'll get to that in a second. Like, I have, I have a new book coming out this month as we sit here recording this. And it's my first middle grade book, and this was my second middle grade book. And I just really wanted to, I'm really into writing middle grade novels and, like, telling those stories and building that brand. And I just want to make sure I have regular releases coming out for the foreseeable future to try to accomplish that goal. So I elected and I told them, no, 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 I can do this. I'll have it in by this date so that we can get it in a copy. And it's by this date so we can release the book when we want to when we wanted to originally release it. So that's why that happened. OK. And, you know, just bless my editor, man, because like he he had me notes on that thing within a week after I turned it in, like right, like literally right before the break started. Wow. And, OK, I take it back. And, yeah, he's just a rock star. Just a total, like, 
just as committed to, to doing this and keeping us on schedule as I was. And I really, really respected the hell out of that. And I mean, like, you know, a 12 page edit letter and like line edits and everything was composed and polished and like, he understood it and he dug into it and he did it all in a week. And I have no idea how, cause it was just, it was very impressive. So that's why I did that to myself. And I did at least appreciate that I wasn't the only one in the pit doing it, but it wasn't ideal. And it was very, it was very difficult to finish, to try and finish a whole book at that time during that year. And mm-hmm. I'm proud of it, but I just didn't have any room for anything else. And I needed kind of a break from everything else. And, you know, on top of that, like I turned that on on a Monday and like, I was done. Like you are after you turn in a book. Yeah. And then I still had a whole other week of work, um, you know, writing video games at my full time video game writing job. So I still had to do all that for a whole other week before the break started. So it was just, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Oh, I feel like I had vomited just saying all that, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, dude. Well, we had, um, my badness was in November where I had decided I was going to do NaNoWriMo and I had a plot, I had a plan, I had a deadline, I had a project, I was all ready to go. And it actually happened when I was streaming. Um, I don't remember what stream it was. I don't know if the the video is still online. But essentially, um, as I was streaming one early November day, I think this is after, it was mid-November, after the election, but uh, before, like, Thanksgiving, I got an email from uh, Jen Uden my agent and basically like the subject was a very difficult decision or something. And I was just about to finish my stream and I'm like, well, I definitely can't. It'll eat me up if I don't just glance at it. And I glanced at it and I'm like, as with a very difficult decision and a heavy heart, I've decided. And I'm like, Oh fuck. And, uh, Jen decided to leave agenting. And, What's funny is I have uh, I have fired agents. I have been fired by agents. And so now I have a new one. Well, actually, I, I have had an agent quit on me before. Um, and so I have experiences, but I experienced this at the very beginning of my career. Like, right. I, I was not heading anywhere anyway. So it wasn't a huge... I mean, it was a big deal because you don't want to lose your agent. But, you know... At this stage of my career, it's like, God damn it, something else has happened to me to where I wish I wish Ditch Diggers was here to tell me what to do because I don't <laughs> know. And so, um, you know, th- this is one of those like it was her. I wish her the best. I love her. She was she was amazing. She helped build my career. I have nothing but good things to say about her. Um, I'm very sad she's not my agent anymore, but I certainly don't begrudge her this decision. But it was it's like. It's hard to say, well, this this was a thing that happened, not I did it to her or she did it to me. And um, so that pretty much derailed everything. And because I was suddenly like, I, I don't have representation. What am I going to do? I, I, I And, you know, somebody pointed out to me, he's like, you're not shopping anything right now. It's okay. You have a deal with Ace. You got another couple of things going on. It's not like you need an agent. I'm like, I need an agent. (laughs) You don't understand. Listen, man, when, you know, when your agent is part of your support system, professional, emotional, or otherwise, it's a big deal, you know, and you just, you, you feel like, someone ripped the security blanket off your body at a very vulnerable moment, you know? Yeah. So no, man, you're, you're, you're entirely right to react to that the way you did. That's a big, and you know, the the agent that you have is a big fucking deal. Like it's a very, very integral part of your career. And like you said, you're at a place in your career where there are a lot of moving parts and things are in motion and you're doing a lot of stuff and yeah, that shit matters, man. So you got, you know, you got, uh, you kind of got sideswiped there by that. And yeah, like you said, no fault to Jen. Jen's a person has to, has to make the choices that are, that are the best for her. There's no fault there, but yeah, it's something you weren't expecting and it's a big deal. And then it was suddenly, Oh God, I've got to adjust to this and deal with it. Like that's, you gotta, give, you gotta give credence to that. Yeah. And so then started the, uh, agent hunt, 
which was, you know, strange and awkward at times because now I'm in a position where I did know some agents because I'd met people at cons. And so, um, <laughs> what? What's funny? It's not funny. It's just the way you, like, you're more fucking, we have this conversation. <laughs> we have this conversation for like an hour when this happened. You like hit me up and you told me about it. And we went through this whole thing where I like had to explain to you your Murph fucking Laverty. It's not just that you've met some people at a convention. <laughs> like you're an established, you know, multi-award winning, multi-award nominated, has books out in fucking China writer. Like it's not, you just underplay things so much. This is one of the reasons you need a good agent because you need somebody who's going to be like, Murr is not adequately conveying how awesome she is. Let me do it. But that's just, yeah. No, I didn't mean to derail your story. But that's just so, it's just the idea that's like, no, it's going to be okay because I've met some people at cons. And that was the whole the whole thing that you had going for you. I just felt like that didn't tell, well, that didn't give the full picture of the story. Okay, yes. I'm going to go off on a tangent about that in a minute. But honestly, like, before I knew nobody and now I could think who I had met and who I connected with and who I liked as a person and you know and I went to the people I'd met at cons that's entirely um, that is a very good and fair point I yeah not 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 just that I was only thinking of people who knew who I was I was thinking of people I knew right and um so, so that's that's why I brought that up. Um, and what's funny is, um, I don't want to name any names or because that feels weird. But uh, I had been somebody suggested I talk to Seth Fishman, and who I didn't know, and I just heard you know about him, and I know a lot of his clients, and he's the person I ended up signing with, and so I now have representation, and I'm very right. glad to be with Seth. Uh, obviously, because I picked him, but he was um, he was very enthusiastic about me, which was very exciting. But what I wanted to ask was, okay, okay, Matt, you've got a character who's Mer Lafferty. How do you write her dialogue of, I just lost my agent. I'm Mer fucking Lafferty. You should represent <laughs> me. Write that dialogue for me, because I don't know what to say. I mean, I think that was a great draft you just came up with right there, honestly. Like, what's the problem? Uh, no, I hear I hear what you're saying. It's, dude, it's a tough, that's, it, it was a very, and you know, it was a very tough situation to be in, especially for something that was so unexpected. Yeah. And it, it's hard to know how to balance that thing of like, you know, you're not, you're not a new writer shopping their first manuscript. Like, you're not in that position looking for an agent. You're an established professional author with a lot of credits who needs a new agent. So finding that balance of, like, I need to pitch myself, but I'm also, this, should, this also shouldn't be about me pitching myself. This should be more of, like, and I think this is another thing I said to you, is, like, you got to look at it like this is an opportunity for the agent. And, you know, you have options and you should approach it that way. And I do think that there's a lot of validity there. But I understand what you're saying. That's a hard dialogue. That is a hard dialogue to write. Um, for me, I, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be a dick about it. You don't want to yeah. be like, I'm awesome. Obviously, you want me. What yeah. can you do for me? Like, yeah. yeah, I'm not suggest going with that tone. But I think my main point when we first talked about it was was mostly just like you also have to be aware of this is not you doing anyone a favor. You know. And I think it's just really about keeping that in mind when you're making when you're making the approach. But I really think you just you explain the situation. You know, you explain that my agent has decided to leave the business. You know, I'm and I'm exploring new options, and mm -hmm. uh, I would be interested in talking to you about working with you. You know, and I think it. I really just think the tone needs to be more collaborative than like you're applying for a job. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pull up the emails I said. I, I don't think I, I went in with my hat in my hand and, you know, the hungry look in my eyes and starved myself for a couple of days so I could get that good sunken look in my cheeks. But, uh, you know, I was, I was professional and said, you know, I, I, the ones I knew, it was a little bit less formal. And, uh, you know, when I approached Seth, I told him who I was and what I'd been nominated for, et cetera. So, um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I could... I actually can be professional and not constantly downplay myself, but, you know, when it comes to just talking, I'm like, yeah, I, I need representation. Help. Yeah. And that's fair. And that's still, and it's, and it's, it's even okay, I think. And I was in no way ever implying that you were not or can't be professional, Mer, and I apologize if it came across like that. Um, well, no, I, I just, just wanted to tell you I didn't, I, I don't downplay myself when I'm actually trying to sell myself. I know not right. to do that. I could, I could at least, you know, write my list of accomplishments down as if I'm writing a resume or as if there's somebody else's and, you know, distance myself and go, okay, well, that's pretty cool. I've done some cool shit and I'm proud of it. And so I can, I, I, I can confidently say those things. <laughs> No, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's different to talk about it here than it is in a email, in a professional email to people you are, you know, talking about working with. And I, and yeah. I get that. You know, you are awesome and I demand that everyone know it all the time. <laughs> and, uh, I apologize if I get overly aggressive about that. No, you're good. But um, so let's like get, so, you know, this is what, so this is what we're talking about. And I think it's a good thing to talk about for this episode. Let's get into like the process more specifically. Like, so... You found that out. You started from a you started from a perspective of who do I know that I have some kind of rapport with that I might like to work with. Is yeah. that like a fair assessment? Yeah, that's exactly it. Because I know that some people just want a business partner, and like frankly, how well you like the person doesn't necessarily enter into it. But for other people, if you don't get along with and, you know, if you get along with somebody personally, then you're not going to want to work with them as an agent. I mean, when uh, our first Hugo nomination, we were up against uh, Emma Newman. Mm -hmm. Emma Newman was also one of Jen's clients. When Emma Newman, Emma Newman won the Hugo it was, I think you were sitting next to me, so you would have, I think I showed you, it was seconds. I don't even think Emma was on the stage before Jen texted me and said, are you okay? Aww. It's like, that is, you know, I, I, I don't need that much, I don't need specifically that, but I need someone who knows, like, this might be a blow to my client, I'm gonna check. And, um... I, I, so I, I need someone who I feel, I feel like I could go to and say, you know what? I'm really fucking bummed. I didn't win the Hugo. And, you know, that's, that's, so I look for people that I get along with. And so I did have a couple of people in mind. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's why it matters. Cause I know when I, <laughs> last time I was doing an agent hunt, I was, uh, signed with Orbit and Davey, uh, was my editor and she was checking on me cause she'd heard I lost my agent and she was, uh, you know, the way she put it, of course, Davy's like harsh as hell and everybody loves her anyway. She's just one of those people. And she's like, well, you know, sometimes authors need a friend. And I think you're one of those people that needs a friend when it comes to an agent. And she, like she, the way she said it was like, it was a weakness on my part, but she was absolutely right. <laughs> no, she is absolutely right. It's not, a, it's yeah. not an, a bad thing though. And again, I mean, we're not speaking in general terms here of like everyone should look for this when they go out for an agent. Right. It's really more about you need to know yourself and what you individually specifically need from that relationship. And you're someone who needs more of that personal connection with the agent that you have. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember talking about finances with another author friend. And she was like, it was very, uh, you know, they were seeing a financial advisor or somebody and just like, it was so like embarrassing or revealing. I'm like, yeah, it's like going to see a financial advisor is almost like walking up to somebody and just lifting up your skirt. It's like, <laughs> it, and that's almost what it feels like if you're going to see an agent because you got to show them the, the, the stuff that has worked, the stuff that hasn't worked. And, um, I mean, especially mid career, you got to point out, okay, well I did this and it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a very vulnerable thing. No, it absolutely is. And you're going to go through your successes with them, but you're also going to go through your failures with them. And there's always going to be those. And that's that's a very intensely personal, vulnerable thing. So yeah. Um, 
And you know, the reverse can also be true as well. Like you can you could be someone who needs that relationship to be purely business and be very clinical, and there's nothing wrong with oh, that sure. either. Again, it's all about what you need from that relationship. And I think, if anything, it's commendable that you've gotten to a place as an author and a professional and as a person where like you understand what you need and yeah. that's what you're looking for, that dynamic. You know, that's what it's all about. But um, okay, so you start so you started with that kind of core list of like these people I know and have met and I think they might be suitable. Did you email or contact them first? Did you make a bigger list on top of that of other people that maybe you didn't know personally, but you knew them by reputation or you knew other clients that they have? Like how did you okay. compile initial contact list? Well, here's, here's, here's the thing where you might uh, be pleased with me for uh, being confident in that I didn't think I would have a problem I just knew it was going to be a bumpy road along the way because it's work that I had not planned for. Right, of course. And yeah. so I figured I didn't need to talk to too many because I already know who, you know, I had a list of who I thought I would like working with. And, you know, I'm not like completely unknown throwing a wide net. So right. I started like a couple. And then someone mentioned Seth, so I talked to him. Um, so it was just like, I talked to, I think I talked to three people, kind of started talking to a fourth, but uh, communications broke down and, I mean, just like, could not schedule a time to get together and talk when everything else was moving quickly. Right, of course. Um yeah. So when you so, say talk, yeah, it was a small group, and you talk. Uh, first of all, I think that was a very smart approach and an appropriate approach. Like we said, you know, you're not you're not taking your first manuscript out in the world totally unknown. Like that's not the position you're in. So being targeted about it and starting with a small core group of people you were really interested in, totally think that was the right move, and I think good advice to somebody in your position. Um, right. But when you say talk to, like, can you take us through the process of reaching out to them and how? each of those things developed like did you email them and then were there phone conversations did you skype yeah. like what was the process like uh it was started with email and then it was uh did phone calls like almost i guess an hour with each person at least nice um you know we talked about um one thing that that a couple of them brought up which is interesting i hadn't thought about is the fact that as a friend of mine had told me i'm not shopping anything right now so I'm going to somebody going, you know, you don't say this out loud, but what you're saying is, hello, I'm a career author. However, I'm not going to make any money for you for a little while. Right. I have no book for you to run out and sell for me right now, but I still want the support of an agent. I mean, stuff can come up between me and an editor. Stuff can come up with my rights of something else I've written. I mean, I need that support. So, mm -hmm. but luckily once... uh you know, a couple of people said they weren't bothered by that. And, you know, like, I'm looking... F I, I, I will say, if you're looking for advice on getting an agent, like Matt said, you may want a friend. You may not. You may just want a business partner. But I will tell you, you want someone who wants your career. You don't oh, want absolutely. someone who wants your book. And that's a big difference. And absolutely. um, So, like, people looking at my career were like, I think... You know, this is, you may not make any money for me for a while, but I really think this is something we could uh, create. We could work on your career together. It'd be great. So, um, you know, I hadn't considered the fact that I had, I didn't have anything for anybody to sell, but, you know, talked about that. It didn't seem to be a big deal. Um, talked about where I'd been published, what I'd worked on, what I have going on right now. Um, talked about past experiences. Um and what I wanted out of my career, which is always difficult for me because my basic thought is I want to write a book and I want to sell a book and then I want to <laughs> write another book. Right. <laughs> so, no, that's, uh, and that's, it's so, I don't want to say every author, but that's, that's yeah. a lot of author. And honestly, that's what this, that's what going through the process of being in this industry and doing this stuff kind of trains you for, honestly. It's, it's, it's very hard to, to develop that overview just going off of that because getting a book sold and published and actually selling it uh, is mm -hmm. such a tremendous undertaking in and of itself yeah. so 
it's tough to have that five-year plan, especially in an industry as volatile as ours. Yeah. You know? No kidding. So not, I don't begrudge you that at all. But like, so what, um, if you don't mind me, uh, and if this is in any way stuff you don't want to get into, please, you know, tell me, but I'm just. No, I'm, I have the, I have the power of edit, man. I, I can cut any of this out. <laughs> you too. I keep forgetting about that. And I will. No, go ahead. <laughs> and, I, and I will. You will rue the day. <laughs> um, no, I was just wondering what kind of questions did you ask the agents that you that you had those conversations with specifically? Because, you know, you talk about your career and what you've done. You talked about yourself. But like what questions did you ask them about them or their process or their views? What's really funny is um, almost all of them talked extensively about themselves and answered a lot of things that I would have asked and answered some things I didn't even think to ask, but things that were answered would be like how often, um, you know, how, how to communicate, uh, where you, where you like to encourage authors careers to go, because, you know, at least a couple of them said, you know, here's where I can see your, um, I'm sorry, I'm being visited by a dog. Hello, dog. Um, I think we should leave this in because a dog appearance on a podcast can only help its numbers. In my I opinion. know. Oh, she's found me. Okay, good. Um, I think my family went out for a pre-snow shopping trip and the dogs have been left alone and they're like, wait a minute, I don't have a human. Where's my human? So it's she's abandoned. found me. Now, now they know you still exist. So everything's yes. okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I, I, it's like where, where I'm sitting, I can see the door open, but it opens toward me, so I never know who's opening it, whether it's like a human and I can look up, or it's a dog and I can look down, who pushed the door open, so that's why I was unsure. Um, one of the <laughs> things is, you know, you, you think of your goal as writing a book, but, you know, there's so much more a writer can do, which is stupid because I already know that because I already do it. You know, I, I write audio dramas, I write novellas I write for podcasts I write novels I write short stories you know things I would love to do would be like comic books or you know there's so many other options that I already delve into but I don't consider saying that as part of my goals these are like weird shit I do on the side and (laughs) they're talking about where can we take that ambition of yours and put it somewhere and so what you if if an agent is not forthcoming like the people I talked to were very just, here's what I do and here's how I work. Talk about, ask where you your career could go, especially in the terms of, do you ever want to write in another genre or write a, uh, a different medium? And that is something I had not thought of and was very grateful when one of the agents brought it up, like, like things that they're trying to do secure for their clients um i mean yeah that's what i would want to hear and then to yeah. me uh, you know, i i think you not having a specific book that you're taking out right now i think that i honestly put you in a better position to look for a long-term agent you know because you're not talking about a book you're talking about your career as a whole and that's that's ultimately what you want to focus on so mm-hmm. and you know i don't I don't begrudge any agent who is like, you know, maybe they're a little overloaded right now or like their time. No, of course not. Such or whatever. So they're, they're more like, well, if you don't have a book, you know, if there's something I'm not working on immediately, I'm not really sure I have time for the rest of the stuff. That's their prerogative. I do have to say though, I I really feel like it's short-sighted for any agent to look at. And again, this is not to aggrandize you. And I mean this more in a, more in an objective way of just someone who is at a point where you're kind of at, but to just kind of ignore the value of a brand like yours, you know, like to me, like I would want the agent who sees the value in you as a writer and you as a long-term uh, prospect and like who wouldn't want to invest in that, you know, long-term, like even if you don't have a book right now, just helping you out with whatever you need to until you do have a book because you're going to have a book. Fucking, yeah. You've been doing this for, you know, 20 years. Like it's, you're going to have a book. So yeah, I, I think. Be- I, I don't think they were they were basically saying if you have nothing for me to sell you're worthless. But it's it's um, you know one person did ask what do you need from me if you don't want me to sell a book like what would I be 
adding to you. Uh, uh, I, I, I wasn't offended by the, you are useless unless you have a book. That's not quite how I took it. But, you know, it's like, we're, we are how they make money. Yeah. Which is why you don't want to pay your agent, because your agent will work harder to get you better advances when they have to look at that as their paycheck. So if, if they get like $5,000, whether you yeah. sell a book or not, or whether they sell your book or not, they got no incentive yeah. to sell. No, I, I, I totally agree. Agents have to eat too. And if there's nothing for you to put on their plate right there, that's something to consider. But yeah. I don't know. To me, it just speaks of someone who has a long-term vision, which is a yeah. thing I want to have. And yeah, exactly. That's yeah, just I'd... a indicator. And obviously, you know, you ended up with the agent you did. So I think you did... Well there. And if I didn't say it earlier, because we kind of brushed past it, but congrats on that part. Again, you, you've Thank got you. a new, you got a really good agent. Seth is, by all accounts, very, very good at what he does. Yeah. One thing that's also funny is, um, you know, I, you, you've never mentioned this, and neither has Dong Wan when he's been on our show, but Dong Wan and Seth had, like, an agent video cast last year. Yeah, I think they, they started, stopped it in the summer, I think. Yeah. But, um thing and yeah they, like they streamed an agent kind of podcasty thing which yeah. was very cool you know, so i already so i already knew um a, a bit about seth just from watching that and so right. that was really helpful no, um, absolutely. yeah, that's, yeah. i think that's a good kind of pointer for people too is like looking at things like that if they're out there for a prospective agent can be a really good way to kind of get a sense of them because a lot of agents are doing things like that. They're doing like extensive blogs or podcasts or newsletters. Just... A lot of them are doing newsletters. Oh, that's you know, right. Like... Right. Dong Wan's got a great one. I subscribe to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dong Wan's got a great one. I mean, Jen had, had a great one when she was agenting. A lot of them are doing yeah. that. That could be another way to kind of get inside their head and, and, you know, see what their process is like. For the record, uh, I think Jen still has her newsletter and she is going into freelance editing. So if you need a freelance editor, I can speak very highly for Jen Udden. So I oh, very cool. really, I, I have nothing but good things to say about her. She's amazing and I miss her. And I still send her inappropriate texts because I'm not at that point in my relationship with Seth. And I don't think Seth would like <laughs> a text of a picture of a bottle of wine named Pool Boy. So I think that's oh, still going to be a me and Jen thing. And there's no reason it shouldn't be. You know, right. I... We, we tend to work, and I mean, I guess all industries are like this to an extent, but that kind of like out of sight, out of mind mentality about people, you know, once they're, once they're not doing, I mean, obviously she's still in the industry, she's freelance editing, but you know what it means? Like yeah. when they're not in that role or in our immediate professional sphere anymore, you tend to lose touch with them, which is a shame in a lot of cases, because, you know, you meet a lot of really cool people doing this and people that, you know, you enjoy their, their friendship and uh, the, the dynamic that you have with them. So it's cool that you're not losing that. You should still send Jen an appropriate text, I think. Yes. I think I went through, um, one time I got my, uh, I got a jockey catalog and I was looking through it and basically I came up with an entire softcore porno plot based on the pictures and I sent Jen the entire series of photo and then caption and you know went into fade to black here and the next morning they're banking breakfast for each other and and all based on these two models in a jockey catalog and that was that was lots of fun <laughs> that was that that has nothing to do with ditch diggers i just thought it was fun so i said it no, nothing i can add to that i'm just gonna let that i'm gonna let that <laughs> wait a minute it... you've never sent dong Wan a soft core porno idea come on Hasn't everybody? You know, and I honestly, now that you say it, I feel like it's a failing on my part. Because I know <laughs> would be totally responsive to it. You know? Yeah. Um, no, but that's not. <laughs> so jockey porn aside. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, just to kind of cap off. That's the brand so, jockey, not the job jockey. I just need to say that because you said jockey porn and my brain went to another place. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, I mean, that. that's actually what I was thinking about. I don't think. The I mean, brand. Neither is wrong. Yeah, I understand, but I'm just saying. Sure. Okay, Either way, on. you know, yeah. whatever kind of jockey porn you want to write is fine. <laughs> um, okay, go. So you talk to all these agents. Uh, you had conversations with them. You asked them the questions. You heard what they had to say. I just want to hear about your decision-making process, like the last phase of this kind of finding a new agent thing. Oh, it kills, so me, to tell, it kills me to tell people no. It really does. 
I, I, I find it so difficult. And considering that I had already contacted people I liked, the decision came down to very minor, like minor things. You remember in the office when Jim said that Michael was just going to boil down who to fire based on who gave him a nasty look in the hallway? This is right. like that, only the opposite. And um, essentially when I contacted Seth, he asked for my book that I'd already sold to Ace and turned in. And I was really nervous because this was a book that had needed extensive rewrites and no one had gotten back to me on comments on the book yet. So, like, I completely rewrote this and turned it in, and I hadn't heard from anybody on whether it was solid or not. And I was so scared. But he, right. Seth wanted to look at it, and I'm like, all right. And I'm like, this is a second draft, and I haven't had editor comments back on it. <laughs> so I'm, like, laying these, these caveats down. And... A couple of hours later, I get an email from him going, if this is your second draft, then uh, I think this is amazing and you're really, you know, you're really good, someone to work with. Like, he had, he'd, like, gotten into it that night and just started reading. Right. And um, even before we had agreed to work together, he sent me another email saying, I'm 70% through with the book and I'm still loving it. And it was his enthusiasm that really got me. Because he had just jumped into my book and he devoured it and really thought it was something and um, even wrote an edit letter. And he's, you know, not even my agent. He just wrote me his thoughts and, right. you know, they were good. I, I knew I knew the book still needed a little bit of tweaking and, you know, he, he pinpointed a couple things that I hadn't even caught. So, um, so yeah, it, it came down to his enthusiasm because everybody I talked to who made me an offer were already great agents. I knew their clients. I knew that the clients were happy with them. So yeah, it just kind of came down to enthusiasm. No, man, I think that's a fantastic metric that you use to, 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 to judge this thing. I think that's extremely important. One of the, I think one of the most important qualities, honestly. Uh, no, that's that's perfect. That's I think you did really well, man. And yeah, I like, and you know, just just to, just to like add some bullet points at the end here. I, I some things to take away from this is don't be afraid to reach out to as many people or as few people as you want to reach out to or that you're interested in. There's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. you also said you do hate saying no to people, but at the end of the day, your career you have to make the call, and you can't be afraid to like let people down or make people feel bad. You know, it's, you're going to do it respectfully, honestly. Of course, I mean. yes. But at the same time, you have to make the choice that you want to make and not be influenced by, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings by saying oh, no. no to, you know, so. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it is business and they know it's business. Yeah. They have to do it to authors. And so as long as you're, you know, polite and um, professional, it's, it's, you know, that's, it's, it's the way things go. So it was, um Yeah. That that turned out okay, of course, but uh, yeah, that's that's how I got a new agent, and that pretty much ate up like a lot of November and December. Hey, man, as it as it should. It's a it's a big freaking deal, and it should be treated as such. But that's a really I'm really first of all I'm really got it worked out. Obviously, I knew yeah. it would. I was honestly I was not I was sad that you lost an agent that you very much liked, but mm -hmm. I knew you were okay because again you're fucking Lafferty, but i'm glad that it worked out the way it did and i think that's a really i think that was all a really valuable experience to share because you know you hear people talk a lot about how new writers get agents and you know what to look for and all that but you, you don't really hear a lot about changing agents or when something like this comes up where it's like totally beyond your control and totally out of the blue even yeah you know, this is i think an even more extreme circumstance than making a calculated choice. Okay. I, I've decided to part ways with this person or it's like a dialogue you had leading up to it. It's just one day your agent is kind of like, I've had made this decision and this is what's happening. So I yeah. think it was worth sharing with the people and I hope everybody took a lot uh, from that. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is um, I, when it came to approaching Seth, I was um, one thing that was unclear to me that no one ever talks about is when you're a new writer, you have to go through the proper channels 
to meet an mm-hmm. agent and to submit to an agent. And an agent is closed to submissions. You do not submit to them. But nobody wrote, has written the rules of, so you're Murfucking Lafferty. And do you contact people who say they're closed to submissions because you are a established award-winning writer? Or do you honor their closed submissions or are you missing out on things? So I actually contacted uh, Mary Robinette Kowal, who is possibly the nicest person in science fiction. She's SFWA president, but um, I don't know if I've told the story here or not, but, but it's like to the, the epitome of how kind and helpful Mary Robinette is, is when, uh, we were up for Finish the Hugo. Sorry. Oh, you dropped out. Oh, am I back? Or maybe I dropped out. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. I heard the epitome of kind, and then I didn't hear yes. anything else after. Oh, okay. Well, the epitome of kindness was uh, in Helsinki when I would. We were up for the Hugo, and I was very, very nervous. Very, very, very nervous. And um, I thought, you know, Mary Robinette's written, like, new new career, not, like, new writers like I talked to on I Should Be Writing, but new writers is in You've Sold a Book or Two, but you're still not sure how this thing works. She's, like, got a whole blog series on this. And I saw her walk by, and I'm like, Mary Robinette, can I ask you a question? Um, you know, I'm up for the Hugo. I'm really, you know, nervous and scared. And, and you know, what happens? How, how, do I, how am I going to handle losing? Because I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose. And she just paused and she's like, look, tomorrow you will have exactly the same number of Hugos as you have today if you lose. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa. That is very elegant. It is. And then you know what she did after that? And this I found out later. She had to go to the bathroom and be sick because she had food poisoning. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So Barry Robinette, sick in a foreign country has a baby writer stop her and go, give me advice, and she stops and she does it. So that is the epitome of kindness for Mary Robinette, is that she will be so kind and help out if you ask her to. And I'm assuming if she's also, you know, tough. She's president of CIFWA, so if you're a jackass, then don't bother because you don't deserve her. But um, that, so, so I, I contacted her and I said, you know, I'm thinking about, querying your agent and I did not want to do that thing where I'm like can you introduce me can you vouch for me because I never want to put any of my friends in the position of speaking for me professionally if they haven't like outright said oh my god I love your stuff because that it just feels like using a like there, there, there are different levels. There's like, can you recommend me to your agent? Can you introduce me to your agent? Can you advise me on how to contact your agent? And I was going for the easiest one, which is, okay, Seth has closed submissions. Can you suggest on how I could or should get in touch with him? And Mary Robinette immediately did an email introduction. So, which is not what I asked for, because I was trying to be respectful of her and her relationship with him. Um, also, the weird thing about asking people for advice, for like introductions to your agent, is you never know where they are in the relationship with the agent. So it's possible they're on the rocks, and just bringing up a new baby writer is not what they're going to be talking about the next time they talk because they're going to be having a tough conversation. Or maybe they're considering firing their agent, but they haven't told anybody yet. Or it's like, it's a weird ask. And so that's why I was asking for, I was asking for advice on how best to contact him. And that was it. And so I think knowing the etiquette there of what to ask from your professional friends is important. So there, there you know, there's like, do you recommend your agent? Do you think they'd be good to work with for me, etc. But also, you know, you can ask how best to communicate. But asking for an introduction or a recommendation is a lot. Right. But she did it anyway. (laughs) She did. She did it on her own. I asked for advice on how to contact him, and she did it for me. So, uh, you know, if if they do recommend or introduce or whatever, that's great. But, you know, it's still something I think you should do on your own. No, I don't disagree. I think I think your approach was probably, you know, 
again, she's very kind, but I think your approach had a lot to do with why she did that, you know, because you are, you're very respectful about things and you're good at asking for things in the right way, which oh, goes a long you. way. I mean, it's all great. I'm just really glad that, that it worked out the way it did. And I wish you and Seth all the good fortune in the world. Not going to wish you luck because you don't need it. Actually, everybody <laughs> needs it. I, good luck. Everybody needs it. Doesn't Thank matter. Thank you. The way this industry is, you absolutely need luck. But yeah, yeah. good fortune to both of you. And I expect great things. That's uh, not a threat, Seth. It's not a threat at all. Why would you think I was threatening you? I'm just saying you're going to do a good job. <laughs> not saying you better do a good job, but you know, you're going to do a good job. We both know that. Anyway. <laughs> I'm oh, very appreciative of my podcast co-host. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so congratulations to you both. And thank you for sharing that whole process with uh, with our listeners, Mur. I think it was very valuable. Well, thank you. It, it, I, I will not deny that that half, you know, part of the way through, I was thinking, well, it's going to have be something really interesting to talk about on Ditch Diggers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I tend to look at things that way, too, now when I go through it's, experience. It's, it's hard to... You know, we don't talk about this enough, is that it's hard to have experiences that are possibly negative and be able to talk about it openly because you can burn bridges that way. Yeah, And, um, you know, in this case, it wasn't necessarily... I had anything bad to say about anybody, but I still am trying to be careful and respectful of other people's, you know, information. But it's still... It's... It's it's tough to talk about well it's like walking up and raising your dress to somebody <laughs> it's like look at all my look at all my bits so uh really leaning into that analogy i today. am i am <laughs> and i think that's a good place to to cap our first episode of 2021 uh with being willing to raise your dress and expose your bits to to the right people. <laughs> not just anyone you shouldn't go up and do that to anybody but to the right people at the right time when you need to do it, you know. Again, who has the password to your pillow for it? I'll go. I'll go back to my thing. Yeah, that's a lot better than raising your dress and showing your bits to people because I have not flashed anybody. <laughs> okay. Make that very clear. Very clear. Exposed yourself to anyone. Uh, it was just an analogy, but yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Happy New Year, Mer. Happy um, New Year, Matt. Hey, starting off with a with a brand new agent, you know, exciting things exciting things ahead. It's a it's a good it's a good you know metaphor for a new beginning, and literally is a new beginning. So it's both of those things. It's literal and it's figurative. So there's a nice example of that for people who overuse those words, uh, which I absolutely do. I'm one of them. I'm terrible, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're just gonna keep chugging ahead. I think we wanted to talk a little bit at the end here about uh, what we're brewing. For 2021 did we not yeah brew away uh you have all the stuff written down in front of you and we're not oh i'm brewing okay in that you have the actual literal list yes we have a list of things that we're working on um one of the big things is i'm having so much fun with twitch that i'm asking matt to join me on a live stream now and then but not a, i should be writing live stream to do a ditch diggers live stream and then we would take the video and take the audio and put it in the feed just like you're used to and probably put the video up on youtube but um i'm just having a lot of fun with live streaming and ask matt to uh join me so we're talking either monthly or quarterly we're going to be doing that. We have to find a good time of the day because we usually record when it's about uh, 8 in the morning for Matt, which I would not want to record when I'm when it's 8 in the morning and my camera's on, so I'm not going to ask him to do it. But uh, find a good time and, and do that. Um, we're talking about uh, a couple of shorter episodes, uh, experimenting with longer episodes, um, possibly inviting guest hosts in. Um, and we're going to be shooting for uh, twice-month releases. We figure we can stick to that. And um, we're thinking about transcription, but that's expensive, so we need to think about how we want to do that. We're thinking possibly, yeah, we're possibly clips, like possibly specific clips of what would be good to transcribe. And um, that would be an easier thing. 
you know, we're looking into that because that is something we both really want to do. We want to make the show as accessible as possible. And we were doing that for a while. We just stopped being able to afford it, frankly. And it's just, it's, it's an expensive thing to do. But a thing we absolutely are trying to figure out a way to do to make the show as accessible as it could possibly be. Yeah. If anybody has any suggestions, by the way, like we're always open to hearing them, you know. Just throwing that out there. Yes, yes. Love it. Love the the, the, the suggestions because then I don't have to work as hard. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the the I think just trying a couple of new things is always exciting. And so we're gonna like but the first couple of months we're gonna be experimenting now and then. And then uh, probably grab onto a couple of things that we like and make it consistent. Yeah, because if there's one thing we're fucking amazing at, it's consistency. Mm-hmm. So look out for that in 2021. Matt and Murr being consistent with Ditch Diggers. But no, we're really... <laughs> yeah, so the, the twice-monthly releasing, the live events, transcription, all those things we're working on. And we're going to try to bring them all to you. And hopefully everybody will have a good time with them. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, Mer. I'm excited about it. I got a little tingle. Me too. In my, in my bits, you know, that are the ones you're show. showing to everybody when you're vulnerable. Can't just can't stop, won't stop. Um, can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. So anyway, all right, Mer. So are we? Are we gonna shill some stuff? The first, the first patented end of episode shilling for 2021. That's right, shilling 2021. Uh, if you want to see the blog and the brilliant show notes that Matt writes, you can go to merverse.com and um, you can ask questions to us. Sometimes people email me at mightymergmail.com, but it's almost more efficient to contact us on Twitter. Contact Matt FN Wallace and, on Twitter and uh, tag at Ditch Diggers. So ask him questions and he will save it for the show. Um, and we have a Patreon that is patreon.com slash mightymer, where that helps keeps the lights on and the uh, equipment shiny. Because we do pay people to come in and shine our equipment, which is why we can't afford transcription. Yeah, we really need a budget better. But no, seriously. <laughs> our Patreon is one of the things that helps us do things like transcription, yes. ideally. So we do appreciate everybody's support on that. Even if you can just throw in a buck, it makes a huge difference. So yes. please do. Do check that out. Yes, and um, you know, I have books that I have written. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I just—you can find my books on Merverse.com. You can add Matt giggling about it or not. Mer- I have well, uh, my my has- newest book is actually something I co-edited with SB Divya. It is uh, the Escape Pod 15th Anniversary Short Story Collection. It's got some amazing people in there, and actually a uh, story of mine uh, in the Six Wakes universe. You can also find out more about Six Wakes at Merverse.com. Absolutely check that stuff out. Escape Pod, the original science fiction fantasy fiction podcast. That's Still right. going straight. Tell your friends. Uh, very cool, Mer. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I have a brand new book out on the 26th of this month, this very month that we're in right now, the beginning of the year, kicking it off right with my middle grade novel debut. Yes, I have written a book for kids ages 8 to 12. You never thought it would happen. You never did. Let's just just all be honest about it. You didn't think I could do it, but I did. And it's amazing. I'm sure it is. Amazing, but I didn't. I didn't curse because you can't do that in middle grade books, and there are no curses in the book. So there. Are you sure? Because like, there's that time you came to my house and you really thought you were holding back, and you were <laughs> swearing so much that was Fiona like, pointed it out, and you're just like, I was, thought, I thought I'd, <laughs> you thought you'd cleaned yourself up. Decade ago. Like, <laughs> I know. I know. Wasn't supposed to curse around. Is in fucking college now, and we're still telling that story. Yeah, it's still funny. I, Especially because, now that you're writing middle grade. It's so awesome. Okay, well, now that I'm writing middle grade, it's words on a page so I can actually vet them. Apparently, okay. I can't time when I'm speaking, okay, even when fine. I really try. I really can't wait for this book, dude, and I'm sad no one has sent me a copy yet, but I'll be buying it when it comes out. You're on the list for the finished ones with all the fancy people. I let Ooh. them know, here are all the fancy people that I know, and they're like, when we have the finished copies... And there were some errors in the in the ARCs that I, I like don't want to send people now. So 
um, you'll get a finished copy of it. But yeah, anyway, it's called Bum. I should probably mention the title. So you, you should. Also, oh, pre-order it. But yeah, it's called Bum. Uh, it's about a uh, it's about a kid named uh, MJ who is uh, going to wrestling school and becoming a professional wrestler and dealing with some stuff and learning to like deal with grief and bullying and all kinds of things like that. And very, very excited about it. I, I really love this book. It's very personal to me on a lot of levels. It's about me. It's about my family. It's a lot about stuff my wife has been through. And just I really I really love this book, Bump. And it's coming out on the 26th. And, you know, if you enjoy middle grade fiction, and that's perfectly a fine thing to do if you're an adult, or if you know or have uh, age-appropriate kids in that range and you want a good book for them, would love it if you'd support the book and go out and get yourself a copy or let other people know about it. That would also be really cool. And uh, we're doing a launch event, doing a virtual launch Ooh. event, 26, with uh, the Once Upon a Time bookstore uh, here in uh, Montrose, uh, California, near, not where I live, but near where I live. And uh, I will be in conversation with Greg Van Eekhout, um, who has written some very good middle grade books of his own. And I love I Greg. I love Greg. Greg's awesome. Very excited about all of that. Uh, so you can check that out because, again, it's a virtual event. It'll be online. You can find details about that on my website. And I'm sure I'll be talking about it on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's the news. I have more books coming out this year. Savage Legion will be coming out in paperback in a few months. And then the next book in that series, Savage Bounty, is scheduled to come out in July, but right now I'm all about bump. So my middle grade debut. Let's all let's all get out there and support it. And I gotta say that um, it's important that parents like it too, because one of the best experiences you can have with a kid that age is enjoying a middle grade book with them. I mean, just the books Fiona and I read together are just precious to me, and I'm only slightly sad that she's too young to read this with her right now because I would really love to be able to read your book with her and uh you had to write it too late I'm just like Sorry. really upset with you when she was age appropriate for it I couldn't stop cursing so I needed, <laughs> I needed the time to really get that under control before I could write a book for kids 8 to 12 so I'm sorry yeah I'm sure Fiona understands though she does she does I'm gonna make her read it though Okay. Well, I hope you guys, I hope you like it. Uh, either I'm sure way. we will, dude. I like your writing. You're a good it. writer. Yeah, I do. You know, I do work. I do words pretty good. You do so, words. Yeah. So January 26th, bump, tell your friends and uh, welcome to 2021, everybody. Let's just, let's just do the best we can with it. Yeah. Oh, you realize I, we've, we've forgotten something that it is award season. So oh, it is award season. That, oh yeah, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are we? We're eligible for things. Ditch Diggers is eligible for FanCast. Yes, we want it. Uh, we want it once already. But you know, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind my Hugo having a having a sibling. That'd be kind of yeah. cool. No, it's just sad though because no base will ever be as good as the Hugo base that we won. In my, that's opinion. not sad. So freaking cool. That's no, not it's not sad. <laughs> no, it's not. We we got a really good one. We got um, like, a really good. But. Uh, there's are you there yeah okay sorry it just got really quiet for a second okay. um i have i had two short stories out last year both of them in anthologies one in the escape pod anthology and one in the way of the laser anthology both of them set in the six weeks universe one of them is an agatha christie like christmas murder mystery and the other one is uh what i intend to be as a bridge between six weeks and book two if i ever get it done Wow, so, that's um, exciting. So yeah, that those... one's set in a space deli? I'm sorry? So that one is set in a space deli? Uh, no, a space station. Oh, not a deli. Set in a space deli? Why did you even write them, though? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, and Escape Pod is avail is eligible for best uh, semi-prosine, and SB Divya and I are eligible for uh, short fiction editor. And I, I think that's know. it. You both deserve it. You're, you're amazing and people. Yeah, Thank Savage you, but Legion, Savage Legion. Uh, epic fantasy novel that came out last year. That's eligible too. So yeah. throw that out there. So yeah, we just eligible for all the awards. I bet we'll win all of them, Mark. All of them. Clean sweep. We're just gonna we're just gonna clean up this year. We're just gonna be that asshole at the end of the night saying, Can someone help me carry my Hugos? And Too then everyone looks at you. To carry home. So we're gonna need like a cart for we'll need yeah. literally like a wheelbarrow. Yep. An official Hugo Award ceremony wheelbarrow. 
to wheel our all our Hugos home. Oh, I like it. <clears throat> yeah. Let's shoot for. The- all right. So anyway, that's our shilling. That's our uh, award commentary, and hopefully uh, we can get on this schedule. And actually, we were talking about a live stream next week, weren't we? Yeah, we're doing our first live stream. We're yeah, we're doing it. Now. I was gonna say in my head, yeah. I was like, we're recording it, so I don't know what'll come out. But it's yeah, a no, live, it's so it yeah comes out when we do it. Yeah, right. we're planning to do it next Wednesday. That's when we're planning to do it. Uh, what time? I don't remember. Do you remember? It's <laughs> eleven. It's like it's eleven your time, right? Yeah, I think it's eleven. So two o'clock my time. So two o'clock uh, Eastern, eleven o'clock Pacific, uh, on Twitch. At, again, that's Mighty Mur. Twitch.tv slash Mighty Murr, you can watch it. And uh, it'll be a lot like it is now, except you can see me and Matt make faces at each other. So, yeah, adds, adds a whole other dimension to the proceedings. It does. It does. Well, it's good to talk to you, dude. I've missed you. Missed you, too. But, you know, it's a new year, like I said. We're going to get back into get back into the swing here. Yeah. And all will be I believe in us. Awesome. I'll see you next week. See you next week, Murr. You can support us at patreon.com slash mighty Ditch diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice, devospice.com.